If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 16. We will conclude our sermon series today called First at the conclusion of the book of 1 Corinthians in the 16th chapter. And as we are drawing this to a close, we've walked through some of the major themes of 1 Corinthians and Paul's letter to a local church. First, meaning the gospel is first. That is the teaching of the scripture that is the most important message to mankind. Most important message that we can give to our families, that we can give to the community, that we can give to our nation, to the world. That God gave of himself and sent his son Jesus to die. To die for the sins of the entire world. That Jesus lived before us perfectly, died sacrificially, and powerfully rose from the grave to give all who would hear and believe eternal life. The gospel is first. Jesus is first. He is first in the sense that he precedes all who would raise from the grave. He is first in the sense that he is above, above all righteous and above all rivals. Adam was first, first in the sense that all people have a physical body connected to Father Adam, a body that will be planted in the ground when we die, a body that is unfit for heaven, but it's out of that truth that we get another truth, which is Jesus is a life giver. And because of Jesus, he was transformed in his body to be fit for heaven. And because he was transformed, those who live and believe in Jesus will be transformed in their bodies fit for eternal life. Unity is first. First as a point of correction from the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul had much encouragement and exhortation for this church, but he said that he could not praise them when they began to pull to themselves, when they left others out, and when the church was disgraced. And finally, for today, our last first of this series focuses on a family that was the first to be converted from Paul's ministry in Corinth when he served the Lord by planting this church. Paul is about to sign off. He's about to end his letter, and he begins to think of all the folks that could contribute value, that might contribute value, and that do contribute value to the local church. I want you to think from beginning to end today, who in your life has contributed and added value to this local church, and more specifically, who has added value to your spiritual life over the years? Somebody maybe that you have known and has helped you years ago, maybe in this church or at another church? Or who is it now that keeps you encouraged, that, that lifts your, your spiritual life to a, another level of accountability or encouragement or growth that you need? And as Paul is making his way to the end of this letter, he brings about a few names that are recognizable throughout the New Testament scripture. He says, Timothy is coming to see y'all. He says this earlier before we get to this sign-off. He says, he's not me, but he's a good one. And when he gets there, encourage him and make him feel welcome. He says that Apollos says, he can't come to see y'all now because he is absolutely covered up in ministry where he is. And he would like to, and he will come to see you when he has the opportunity. Apollos is mentioned in the New Testament. He was here acknowledged as a catalyst for the gospel in the Corinthian church. And then he mentions Priscilla and Aquila. He says, they say hello. That's what he says in his letter. They ministered with Paul in the Corinthian planning of that church. And now they were in Ephesus with Paul and, and they were hosting a local church in their home. Talk about getting your house ready for company, amen? I mean, they were getting their house prepared to open up the doors for the local church to meet where they live. 
When you read the New Testament scripture, you will have these recognizable names of noteworthy followers of Jesus in the New Testament. But then you get to verses 15 through 18, and you arrive at a man named Stephanus. Stephanus, the leader of his household, and together with his family, the Bible calls them the first of the harvest of believers in Greece. Stephanus would have been one of those that would have not been towards the forefront, that he's just kind of mentioned in there together. That of one that was so dedicated to the service of God, he may not have been known outside of the circle of his church, but the folks inside the church knew exactly who he was and who his family was. Stephanus and his household are first mentioned there in verse 16 of chapter 1. If you look at chapter 1, verse 16, there's an ongoing theme of unity in this scripture. And Paul mentions that he has heard that the believers here as he is thinking about Stephanus and how he has baptized them in the name of the Lord Jesus. Paul mentions here that he has heard that there are people in that church that have become more dedicated to the leaders of the church than to the Lord over the church. And that becomes a problem. And he goes on to say that Christ has not been divided. And so because Christ has not been divided, there should be no divisions within the church. And he told them, he said, now you were baptized only in one name, in the name of Jesus, meaning in the authority of Jesus. And because you are all baptized in the name of Jesus, you should all only follow him first above all other leaders. When he was speaking of baptizing, that's when he was reminded that he had in fact baptized the household of Stephanus when they planted the church at Corinth. These were the first of a few believers who became seekers to converts, followers of Jesus. They went from becoming religious people to becoming people who gave their lives devoted to following their Lord and Savior. The Bible says that Jesus is the wisdom of God and the power of God. If you came here today hoping that you would get a word of wisdom for your life, or if you came here today needing more power in your life than you can muster up on your own, you should know that God's word says those things are found in Jesus Christ. That he is the wisdom and the power of God. So while those who serve and lead, we should honor those who do the Lord's work. That's what it says in 1 Thessalonians 5. Above them, we should seek and follow Jesus above any beloved servant. And when we do this, we give proper place to those servants and leaders, but we'll never desire to hear more from them than we do Jesus. You see, if I go down today, somebody can get up and read this word of God to you. Do you hear me? They can read the authoritative word of Almighty God to you. They can preach to you. If I go down, another preacher will stand up and they will preach the truth of the gospel. So keep leaders in proper place. This is the teaching of the scripture. When we get this in order, when we follow and seek Jesus above all, we won't give up on the church when a leader lets us down. We will never be too disappointed when a leader is less than perfect, and we will never be left with a hopeless feeling of what do we do now if a leader leaves? Because we are followers of Jesus. Amen? A large part of the early purpose of 1 Corinthians is Paul encouraging the church to enjoy and benefit from noteworthy servants of the Lord, but to only glorify the Lord, not the servant, to make sure that our aim is higher and that we have a bond united in Jesus. And with that in mind, Stephanus is one of those remarkable servants of the Lord. 
1 Corinthians 16, verses 15 through 18. Let me pray for us. Lord, I pray that you would take us through your word today. Father, I know we've all got things that we have done and need to do. Lord, there's all kinds of things on our mind today. But Lord, I pray that you would give us a break from all those right now in this sanctuary. Lord, open up our heart, mind, and life to the teaching of your word. Where we are, I pray, God, that would line up with where we need to be when your Holy Spirit gets done with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 15 says, You know that Stephanus and his household were the first of the harvest of believers in Greece. And listen to this part. They are spending their lives in service to God and his people. I urge you, dear brothers and sisters, to submit to them and others like them who serve with such devotion. I am very glad that Stephanus, Fortunatus, and Achaicus, I've been, a pra- I've been practicing Achaicus since Monday. <laughs> I've had to Google it and let it speak it to me so that I can pronounce it correctly. Achaicus, I'm very glad that those three have come here. Paul there is, is in Ephesus. They have gone to help him on behalf of the church in Ephesus. Since they have been providing the help that you weren't able to give me, because they couldn't all go. Verse 18 says, they have been a wonderful encouragement to me as they have been to you. And you must show your appreciation to all who serve so well. The Bible says, Stephanus and his household were the first of the harvest of believers in Greece. The the first of the harvest means that they were the first to be converted. The first believers as a result of that church, of that new ministry in Greece. Y'all, God's plan is to restore a right relationship between himself and people of the world, all people everywhere, through the good news of the gospel that God saves. And that good news is to be delivered through the church. The church gathered, the church scattered, the church that preaches, the church that shares the gospel of Jesus Christ. The church that lives the gospel before a world that is seeking truth. The church that is bringing people to Jesus, leading people to Jesus, to a right relationship with God. And when this church was planted in Greece, there were believers just like Stephanus and his household that came to faith. And it made a difference in their life and in the life of all other kinds of people. Now, Lindsay Lane has been here uh, over 30 years a lifetime of of ministry here. But did you know that over the years, over 200 people have been saved, baptized, and added to the church as a result of God's new work through the campuses of Lindsay Lane East and Lindsay Lane North. Over 200 people. And that's not mentioning even those who have been discipled, those who have joined the church, those who have fellowshiped and served there, those who have been ministered to out in the community as a connection to those new campuses. And I say new, relatively new. Lindsay Lane East has been there almost now 10 years. Lindsay Lane North, four years, going on five years. Numbers of people in and around those churches have heard the gospel, responded to the gospel, been plugged into a local church. Did you know that leaders have been sent out from those campuses to minister elsewhere? God used new works to reach new people. And I want to keep in front of you that as God would lead Lindsay Lane to continue to reach people here, there, and everywhere, that we will continue to petition the Lord, continue to go before God Almighty 
for him to open up doors that we may move through for a new work. And when we move on to a new work as the Lord leads, whether it be another campus or whether it be a completely new ministry that we've never seen before, when we go that way, that as a people here at the main campus, that we will fully support it as God leads us to do so. Now, some of you are thinking, what's going on? Is he raising money? Come on, some of y'all already thought that. <laughs> He's about to talk about money. Truth be told, I'm planting seeds. We know that God's called us to reach people. We've seen how God's led us to reach people, and if you'll do it again, we'll be faithful. And so today, this is not about raising money. There may be some time we talk about raising money and those things, but if we're giving regularly, if we are a faithful church that is faithful to tithes and offerings like a biblical church should be, then the Lord will faithfully provide for us as we position ourselves to be blessed of God. This is not about raising money. This is about raising a people of a church, a continued people that, that are serious about reaching others and are seriously about supporting something that God values, which is planning another church, planning another campus when God opens the door so that new people will be reached by a new campus with the old, old story of Jesus and his love. And so pray with us. That's what I would ask you now. Why don't you just pray that God would lead us to whatever work he would have us to, uh, to experience and to challenge with ourselves. And when that time comes, I would encourage you to be praying about God, what, what God would have you to do in that new work. Each time we've planted a campus, each time that we have created a, a new work like that, we've taken at least 20 folks from this campus to go to the next one. Some of those folks stay through the duration. Some of them come back and get back plugged in back in the main campus. But each time that we have, people from this campus would go to help start another one. Even as I say it right now, I guarantee you that God's already put it on your mind and heart that if we do something like that in the future, you'd love to go. Keep putting that before the Lord. I would also suggest to you that Seasoned ministries like the one here at the main campus. 30 plus years of ministry in Athens, working hard to reach people. We are still very much a new work. How would you say that? Listen, long time works only become old if the leaders and the laymen stop reaching people. They only become on the shelf when they stop working for God's glory. The Lord is very much still at work here on the households of Lindsay Lane. Amen? Since, since January, we baptized 15 people. We got more coming in the queue. As God's gospel continues to go to people, through his people, to make a difference in the lives and in the world around us. Stephanus is the head of his household. And his family, those in his circle, the Bible says, were the first to live and believe in Jesus Christ when the church was established and the gospel went out. Now, we don't know exactly who was in his household. The Bible doesn't tell us that. But as you read forward, it's likely that Fortunatus and Achaicus, I think I said it same, same twice in a row, were his servants. Because those were common names for servants during Grecian times. But there is an equal ground at the foot of the cross. Do y'all know that? That while they may have been his servants and he is the leader of the household, they all got saved and started serving God. 
There is equal footing at the cross. As we said last week, there are no class distinctions in Christianity. There's only forgiven people and the king. And Paul mentions them all when speaking of those helpful to his ministry in Ephesus. It is possible, however, that Stephanus and his household included a wife and children. Now, children do not, now let me make this clear, children do not become followers of Jesus by association. You see, if you're a teenager in here today, if you're a child in here today, maybe you're a grown-up, you stand before God, God says, why should I let you into heaven? You can't tell him that your granddaddy was a preacher. You can't tell him that your mom and daddy faithfully served the Lord. What about your personal relationship? All who become followers of Jesus Christ must hear and believe, must receive the gospel. But children can become followers of Jesus through influence. The influence of faithfulness, not perfection. The influence of faithfulness of a family, a family that doesn't start and stop Christianity. A family that is, that is faithful, that doesn't only claim religion, but it is real in their life. A family that is, is not practicing Christianity when it's convenient, but practicing it all the time, but he has Lord over their life. They belong to him. And the influence of a devoted life to Jesus will make all the difference in a generation behind us. This baby dedication today, this is not a proclamation of right with God, that all of these kids up here have already decided to follow Jesus. That's, that's not how it works. A ceremony is not what gets you to be right with God Almighty. No, it's a step of responsibility. The responsibility of the church and the accountability of the church and the responsibility of families to, with a determined spirit to raise their children up in the admonition of the Lord, to serve their kids, to represent the good news of God before all of them. And as you'll see, the influence of Stephanus on his household was not a casual observance. It was not something that they checked the box and said that they were a Christian. No, it was a lifetime of service dedicated to God who forgave them and changed them from sinner to saint. Every parent, guardian, grandparent in this place, listen to this and take note. Our Christianity must look like the Bible not like our background. Our Christianity must line up with the scriptures, not like it used to be when we grew up. The standard of God is found in the word of God and found in the people of God if they line up with the word of God. But I would encourage you and challenge you as you think forward about your own families and what your families need to see from you as a follower of the Lord Jesus that you would not base that on how you grew up. You would base that on how you are growing up in the scriptures, amen? Now, Paul said of Stephanus and his household, they spent their lives in service to God's people. They, they served with such devotion. They provided help. They have been a wonderful encouragement. How many of us would like to have those kinds of things said at our funeral about us? that they were devoted servants to the church, that they provided help, they were a wonderful encouragement, and they spent their lives in service to God's people. Now, I love this. In verse 15, the word idea behind spent their lives is the word tasso, and it is the word meaning addicted. That is a remarkable word, by the way. They, they the Bible says, addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. 
They were addicted. They were committed. They had devoted their life. Now, obviously, we associate the word addiction with all kinds of negative things and harmful habits. But even with those associations, we understand what addiction means and what it means applying to the life of this household. Brittany and I fully understood the term binge watching when Netflix came out. Can anybody testify in here? Nope, just us. Okay, great. We watched shows before that here and there regularly. We would have the things that we would watch every week. But there was this one show on Netflix that absolutely grabbed hold of us. I mean, it gripped us and put us in front of the screen every time we were available, just being transparent. We would make references about this show during the day. Our jokes with each other would include references to the show. We would talk by text during the day about what we thought was going to happen on the next episode. All of you are wondering what it is. I'm not going to tell you. I will. T- <laughs> if you... If you would like to ask me later, I'd be glad to tell you, but as soon as I tell you, all of y'all are gonna be like, that's awesome, or that's awful. I don't know how you're gonna react. I just want you to focus on the illustration. I'd be glad to tell you later if you catch me one-on-one. This is the truth. As we would talk about it during the day, when we finally got to the evening, gosh, this is just straight. I don't know how you'll receive this. We sent our kids to bed a little early so that we could get started on it. And we found ourselves so ingrained, so ingrained in the show that like 11.30 at night, when we knew we had to get up at like 6.30 the next morning, at 11.30, we would look at each other and be like, I think I can go one more. (laughs) If you're good, we would at least start one. Listen, I know I'm belaboring this point, but I remember I went on a mission trip with Brother Dusty. We were gone to Africa for nine days. Brittany and I made a pact before we left that neither one of us would watch this show without the other one. And, and so for nine days we're gone and, and Brittany sent me a message one of those days, like I'm on a plane, I look at it and Brittany goes, can I just watch a few? And I'm like, no, you can't. This, we've decided together that we will not give this up. We will watch it together. And this is no joke. When we got back from Africa, I hugged and kissed my wife. I hugged and kissed our kids. We finally, when we finally settled in, I looked at her and she looked at me and we were like, you ready? I was like, you know I'm ready. TV on, put the kids to bed early. I'm kidding. But it was this way until the end of the show, until the show actually ended. Addictions pull at your resources. Addictions pull at your time. Addictions pull at your mind. Addictions affect your relationships. Addictions bend towards the object of desire. When the family of Stephanus embraced and believed the good news of new life through forgiveness and faith in Jesus, they became overwhelmed with the object of their faith. They became overwhelmed at the price that was paid for their eternal life, and they began to submit themselves, their resources, their time, their relationships were affected. They would station themselves. They would arrange their lives around ministry to God's people. Let me say that one more time. They arranged their lives based off of what God was doing in their life, not what they were doing in their life. How do you think Paul received these requests from the Corinthian church that he answered in this letter? Stephanus and his household took the request to him in Ephesus. How do you think they received back this 
inspired word of God directed by the Holy Spirit to this church that we now read today. Stephanus and his household took him back to the Corinthian church. They dedicated their lives to this. And it's likely, again, that they had gone and retrieved the word, but it's also very evident that they served the body of Christ, which is God's way of reaching the world. Their life, when it was said and done, it was spoken of them that they spent their life addicted to what God was doing in their heart. Scripture says in verse 16 that they serve with such devotion Now, if you look up the word meaning of such devotion, it means that they labored. They worked to serve the body of Christ and fulfill their calling till they were weary. A blessed exhaustion. They laid their head on the pillow at night knowing that they had given their life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. Work ethic is a very admirable characteristic. It's one that almost always pays off. But even better than work ethic is work reason. Meaning this, a belief about how to work is not as strong as a belief about why to work. A work day that you can be proud of is something to be proud of. But a work day that God can be proud of is even better. What would be more satisfying at the end of our life looking back to know that you spent your time, your God-given energy, your God-given gifting for the glory of God and the good of man or to know that you've built up and accumulated things and money and accolades and encouragement from others. God has paid the price for our salvation. God has created us in the first place. If we get to live eternally, it's not because of what we do. It's because of what God has done for us. And so all of that we do here is not just about how we do it as far as work so hard that you are making the mark that you set before you, but working so well with purpose that you please the God who created you and saved you. The script, I love this. The scripture makes a distinction between the divinity of Jesus and the humanity of David in the book of Acts. But while he's making this description or this distinction, the Bible says in Acts 13, 36, for after David had done the will of God in his own generation, he died. That I would love to be said at my funeral. After this man did the will of God in his own generation with his life, then he died and he went on home. God's spirit will lead you to aim high with your resources. God's spirit will lead you to aim high with your mind and time and relationships, to addict, to to the appoint, to submit yourselves to meeting the needs of people, to submit yourselves to accomplishing the mission of the church with the calling and the character of a growing Christian. Maybe you feel unfulfilled in your life today. Maybe you've come in hoping for a word at the church that will help you feel like you are accomplishing more in your life than you feel like you're accomplishing already. If you feel this way, it may be because you are overwhelmed by dedications that are lower than what is meaningful to Almighty God. We often become so dedicated to pursuits that are simply less than what God values. No, this doesn't mean that everybody drop what you do and everybody become missionaries or try to be on church staffs and try to get titles and these things or you start ministries. That's not exactly what we mean here. But I will say this, God is still calling people to ministry. And if he calls, you need to answer. God is still calling people to lead ministry. God is still calling for people to teach. 
God is still calling people to serve, but some of us always think that means we're gonna have to give up everything that we're doing to take a title that we're not sure if we can fulfill. That's not it. God's spirit is working in us so that we work to fulfill God's calling in our life. It means that everyone should pick up the godly purpose for why you do what you do in the first place. Some of us go to work, we work well, we come home, and we do it again all week long. And never once have we considered how God would have us to represent his glory in our place of business. How God would use us to affect change in the lives of people around us. How God would use our influence to be a light in their darkness. It's more about the why you work instead of how you work. This is something you cannot miss today. God's work in our life is not only working to save us, not only working to sanctify us, but Christians, God's Holy Spirit work in your life is to send us, to send you towards a purpose in your life overall that is in line with God's word and God's purpose for the church. Jesus said to his disciples following the resurrection, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And finally today, the scripture speaks to those who benefit from the service of others. Paul says in verse 16, look at verse 16. Submit to them and others like them who serve the church with such devotion. Verse 18, you must show appreciation to all who serve so well. Stephanus and those within influence, within his influence, brought back the inspired word of God to their church. They literally went to great lengths to send questions, get answers, and go those great lengths once again to return for the benefit of the church. And while they were there, don't miss this part, while they had made this trip to Paul and they were on a mission and had traveled this way to get the word to bring back, while they were there, Paul said they refreshed his spirit. So the entire entirety of their lives was dedicated towards whoever they were around making it better for the glory of God and for their own good while they were there. It's such a high example for us to see. So Paul, to the church, Stephanus served so well, he instructed them, submit to faithful servants like these, those who have, have been faithful to the Lord and acknowledge them for serving so well. Last week I was in a store, I was grabbing a sandwich uh, I was there, I was at the counter. There's a bunch of folks behind me. It's very busy. The guy said, sir, would you like a bag? I said, man, yeah, if you don't, if you don't care, I'd, I'd love a bag. He said, I got you. As he was getting that out, he goes, would you like some mayonnaise and mustard for your sandwich? I said, man, if you don't mind, I'd, I'd love some. Thank you. He said, man, I don't mind at all. He said, that's why I'm here. He said, that's why I'm here. He then goes out from behind the counter because the mayonnaise is not readily available and he walks across the store and grabs it, puts it in the bag, says, man, we're glad you came in today. And you know what came out of my mouth? Thank you. Like the most genuine thank you I've had in a while, right? Because dedicated service makes a difference in a day. And it's noticeable. And y'all, there are people like that in our church that have been dedicated servants of God for a long time. And I want you to think about as a takeaway and even as homework today. I want you to think with me about those who in the faith and in the church have meant a great deal to your Christian walk. 
And then look again at the scripture in verse 18. It says, they have been a wonderful encouragement to me as they have been to you. Notice this part. You must show appreciation to all who serve so well. Did you know that there are people who serve themselves to the point of exhaustion, people who serve themselves to the point of burnout, and when they are not knowing how well that they served, and when people don't come alongside of them to support their ministry and even back them up when they can't be there, they may burn out. Don't let it happen amongst us. Encourage each other and, and encourage those who serve so well. Let me ask you, who shared with you when you got saved? Who shared the gospel with you? Who was a part of those seven times that you heard the gospel before you believed? Who, who led you to the Lord? Who is that in your life? Who has counseled you when you've needed counsel? Who has met with you to help you? Who has walked with you through difficult seasons in your life? Who's walked with many others in difficult seasons in their life? Who are those people in your life? And think about what the scripture says. Show appreciation to all who serve so well. Who has taken dedicated time? Listen to this. Who in this church and in other churches that you've been a part of have taken dedicated time in their week while they got things going on and you're planning to be there Sunday. They got things going on, but they're planning to teach you by candlelight at night because you need to be fed the word of God on Sunday morning in your group. Who is that? Who's done that so many times over so many years who dedicated themselves to prepare the word of God for you to receive? Who has worked hard to plug you in and bring you along to the church, to lead you well, to organize a work in the church that you've been a part of that's made you feel like this is the way it's supposed to go? Who is that? And I would even encourage you on the, the flip side of that is once you've received that, it's time for you to be that for somebody else. Parents, who has led and kept your kids? Is that something that you just expect churches to do? Is you just expect every church that you visit just to have everything settled? We all work this together, amen? Parents, who are those that led you? I think about volunteers in the church that I grew up in. They didn't get paid a dime. They were always there in that church that we were in, and they were always leading, teaching, encouraging, and they had the ministry of presence even if they didn't talk out loud. Who are those people that have led and kept your children? Who has given up the sanctuary solace so that you could worship today and so that you could learn while they take care and teach your kids and supplement what you're trying to do? Who has studied in their homes to spiritually feed not just you but for your students and your children? The scripture says you must show them appreciation to all who serve so well. Amen? This is the takeaway today. A couple of things, really, is that God, if he has saved us, we belong to him. Amen? He calls a shot in our life. He leads us to a place of service for the rest of our life. And for those who have served you so well, how would you this week thank them and encourage them to let them know that you've made a difference in your spiritual life, that they've made a difference in your spiritual life? Amen? Amen. Let's stand to our feet. As you stand, I want to just pray over us. And as you stand, I want to invite you to this altar today. First of all, if you need to come and pray, why don't you just come and pray? Why don't you come and pass right on by us or maybe grab someone with you that would kneel with you and pray together with you. But you've seen a glimpse of the future of the church. We need the help of the church to minister to the future of the church. 
Why not join this church today? Why not be the next baptism that we've got coming up? Why, why not, if God is working in your heart to get right with the Lord, why not believe and be convinced upon the Lord Jesus Christ for what you cannot do towards your eternal life? Why not talk through that with someone today, right? Lord, in this time of invitation, God, we are all humbled before you. You are our master. You, O oh God, are our Savior and Lord. And our very existence belongs to you. Lord, as we think about our place of service in this world, God, would you show us? I know there are some dealing with this today. Would you show us what we're supposed to do? For those that are wondering, God, their place in the church and how to serve, would you speak to their heart, minister to them, Lord, and lead them to a place of service? And God, for those who have served us so well, bring them to our mind and heart this week so that we may encourage them. Lord, we love and thank you, God, for putting us together as a church family. Lord, I pray that you continue to use us together for your glory and for the good of so many. We thank you once again for your word, O oh Lord, and I pray that this would not be the only day that we receive it. God, that tomorrow and all the days leading up to when we get together again Wednesday and then again on Sunday, Lord, that, Father, we would be dedicated to your word as you lead us to be dedicated servants for you and your glory. Lord, lead us through this time of invitation and response. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This altar is open for you. We have pastors, decision counselors here that want to help you take your next step.